Welcome to the QSD of HR. Episode 14. Yeah. Pretty good, eh? Um, so how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. Yeah, me too. It's not much to talk about this time, is there, um, for our intro, because it's another couple of weeks in isolation. Yeah. Before we get into the show, please can you rate and review us on iTunes or Podchaser? And remember, you can follow us on Twitter or send us questions. And our Twitter name is... Curie Pod. Thank you. So should we get straight into the show? On with the show. Anton investigates... Rockpools. So we went down uh, to the beach and went rockpooling the other day. Uh, whilst it was low tide, which meant there were loads and loads of rockpools, crabs and interesting creatures by loads of crabs i mean loads of crabs yeah there are a lot (laughs) yeah nearly every single rock uh, we moved there were crabs some even had um eggs and when they have eggs they're called buried as in not buried in the sand as in like berries as in strawberry yeah, like fruits, because it looks yeah. like a little bunch of berries. Yeah. <laughs> or grapes or something on the bottom of them, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so when the tide goes out, it just leaves so many pools, doesn't it? So we thought we would set about exploring some. Yeah. Like you said, we found loads of crabs, so we thought we'd find out a bit more about what type of crab you can find in rock pools. Yeah. So what have you discovered? Well, we did... The crabs that we found, well, um, we weren't really sure what they were, so... We decided to research the ones that looked closest, and we thought it was a sort of mix between, well, the following crabs. Yeah, it's a bit odd, wasn't it? Because it yeah. had, we couldn't find the exact match. It had some of the colours of one and the features of another, and it didn't yeah. really fit any of anything we could find online. Um, so these are uh, some of the potential suspects for who we found. Yeah. The first crab is called the Velvet Swimming Crab. They get their name because um, they are covered in hairs like velvet and can have a purplish colour. The hind's legs are flat, a bit like paddles, and then that's what helps them swim. Mm-hmm. They are aggressive and have a very um, painful pinch and bright red eyes. This might be why they are nicknamed the Devil Crab. Yeah, some of the ones we had in our bucket, we kept a couple, didn't we? They were really aggressive. They were sticking their claws up trying to pinch us. <laughs> yeah. How big can they grow? Ten centimetres in, uh, or ten centimetres wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's across the shell. Yeah. They are very quick at swimming. You can catch fish and shrimp. So they're like the um, rock pool hunters, really. Yeah, because they're specialised back legs. It's you don't think of crabs as swimming. You just think of them as kind of scuttling sideways. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to actually see them under the water and how they look mm-hmm. when they are paddling along with their funny back legs. The other suspect is the shore crab. Uh, that's, it's a very common crab and its shell is just a little bit smaller and nine centimetres wide. They eat anything. A little bit like goats. <laughs> Speaking about goats, mm-hmm. we saw people um, walking their goats along the rocks as well. So I'm guessing they probably eat some of the seaweed, I reckon. Yeah. And Unfortunately, was... we couldn't go and torch them without... Well, they're a bit far away and um, yeah. 
And they could have rammed us. Could have No, that's a sheep ram. Okay. <laughs> they could have eaten us. They could have done, yes. Yeah, so... Yeah, so what do they eat? The, the crabs, this is. The shore crab uh, particularly likes to eat seaweeds, um, mussels, barnacles and other crabs. Yeah, so you've got to be careful if you put them in a bucket with somebody yeah. else. <laughs> Cannibalistic crab. Yeah. Crabbabalistic. Okay, that's terrible. Yeah. Whilst the crab is common in the UK, mm-hmm. they are becoming an invasive species and a problem elsewhere. For example, all the way down in Australia, South Africa and California. Yeah, so I wonder if that was from people taking them there or if they were hitching a ride on vessels and things. <laughs> yeah. Hmm, so I wonder how they got there. You would understand with the um, velvet swimming crab, because I would just swim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, as we were clambering over the rocks, there were loads of little barnacles, weren't there? Yeah. And I thought barnacles were basically like limpets. <laughs> so limpets are a mollusk, okay, which uh, they stick to the rocks. Um, but I was totally wrong, as you've discovered, haven't you? Yeah. In fact, they're a crustacean. Uh, just like crabs and lobsters. Yeah, so can you describe what a barnacle looks like? On the outside, it's a sort of shell mm-hmm. sort of thing. And then you get these mouth-like things as well that can open and close. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's a shell with a little hole in the top which yeah. can open and close. Uh, it's a little bit like um, a lift door because it opens to the side. Okay, yep. I understand what you mean. Um, and they're pretty small as well, aren't they? Yeah. When it's high tide, they open their little plates, their lift doors, um, and stick their legs out to catch plankton and little creatures. Yeah, that's right, because apparently they're actually kind of upside down in their shell. Yeah. So their feet aren't against the rock. It's kind of their, they've got their back against the rock and then they uh, stick their legs out of the top. That must be quite uncomfortable. As well as crustaceans, we found some fish. The largest of which we believe is actually the aptly named Giant Gobby. The one we caught was a massive 12 centimetres long. I know, a positive giant there. Yeah. Yep. Huge! Britain's record catch of the Giant Gobby is a whopping 262 grams. 262 grams. That is humongous. How do they pull that in without the line breaking? I know. Also, the record catch of the common gobby is one gram. (laughs) I know. Yeah, they are uh, big fish. (laughs) It's a wonder they can fit in rock pools, really. The giant gobby we thought was actually quite chunky as well. They're speckled brownie and greyish. Um, and have fins that look a bit like feathers. Yeah, they did. They're quite soft-looking, their fins. Yeah. So, obviously, you've got to be very careful when you're rock pooling, when you're moving all your stones, um, and make sure that you always return things to where you found them, because you want to try and leave their habitat as you found it. Mm-hmm. When we were going back up to the car, um, we collected some flint for our flint snapping. That's right, yeah. I think that's what you were more excited about than the rock pooling, actually, wasn't it? Mm, equal. You know, so we watched... Um, I, I can't remember his name on Twitter. 
the flint snapping expert. Dude. James Dude. James yeah. He, he did nap time where he live streamed some flint napping, didn't he? So when we got home, you sat out in the garden with your goggles on, mm-hmm. bashing stains, which I'm sure the neighbours loved. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that was our adventure down the beach. Yeah. Wasn't it? And now we're going to head off to some other more distant shores. And time we've got another spice for you now. It's been a little while since we've done one, hasn't it? Yeah. So you're looking forward to this? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to reveal it now. I've covered it up. So can you open this, please? Interesting. Yeah. What do they look like? A little bit like nuts. And can you smell them? Yeah. You're also going to need this. Grate. Exactly. You see. So yeah. If you grate it on this side here, yeah. that's good. So, once you start grating, yeah, so if you grate that, can you smell it coming out now? The yeah, I definitely smell that. Hope you can hear us above this. How does it smell? Familiar. Smells. Um, I definitely smelt it before. Mhm. So you can dip your finger in and have a little taste. What do you think? Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's definitely um, planty. Mhm. Probably another thing to say. Yeah. Okay, so it's the seed of the rather coolly named Mariscia fragris. So what do you think it is? Mm, no. Nutmeg. Nutmeg. So it's called fragrant nutmeg or true nutmeg. And uh, the nutmeg tree, it's kind of a dark leaved evergreen tree. And there's actually over 150 different species of uh, Maristica in the world. But the one you've got there is the nutmeg one. Now don't eat too much, okay? Yeah, that's all done. Okay, so you understand why as we uh, continue. Mm-hmm. So it's given its name by the Dutch botanist Martin Houtuin in 1774. And we actually get two different spices from the nutmeg, okay? So you got the nutmeg that you just tried there, but you also get mace, which is from the seed covering, which I'll show you later. And today we're mainly just looking at the nutmeg, yeah. okay? And here's a picture of the leaves. See, it looks like quite pretty leaves there. Yeah. And you can see the stages of the nutmeg here. So this on this photo here, which we put in the show notes, uh, you can see the outer case in this red Shell, then there's yeah. the fruits around the outside. So it's like a stone like you get in an apricot or something. Mm-hmm. Except the fruit's much smaller. Now, the trees are native to the Malaku Islands, which were also known as the Spice Islands. Now, do you remember we mentioned those before? Uh, yeah. I thought I recognised that name. Do you remember what a spice came from there? Mm. Which we did previously? Mm. Cloves or turmeric? It was cloves. So. Yeah, so if you remember, they're in the Pacific Ocean, quite near um, Papua New Guinea and uh, around kind of Java and all of those islands there. So I've circled on the map here um, one of the islands where they grow and then also the uh, Banda Islands down here, okay? Oh, they're tiny. Yeah, they're really small. Now the trees, they typically grow from 5 to 15 metres tall. And the, the leaves of the tree, they can grow up to about 15 centimetres long, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've got a picture of the tree here, covered in its fruit. So it's quite a nice kind of full tree. It's quite attractive, yeah. I think. There's lots of different sort of shades of green in that as well. Mm-hmm. That one doesn't look that tall. Yeah. 
Now, the trees are dioecious. Now, do you know what that means? No. Have you ever heard it before? No. Okay, what it means is that some of the trees are male and some are female. Okay? <gasps> so they made different, they have different flowers on them. Um, although there was a study in 1904 which showed that maybe some of the young trees were male and as they got older, they became female. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine if humans did that. You can start harvesting the fruit after nine years, but it actually takes 20 years for them to reach their full maturity mm-hmm. for uh, harvesting. Yeah. Okay, now as I said, they produce nutmeg and mace, okay, yeah. from the seeds. Um, but you also get what's called nutmeg butter from them and also an essential oil. Now, are essential oils essential? No. No? Do you know where they get their name? Why it's essential oils? No. It's actually from the essence. So you know what essence means, don't yeah. you? Yeah. So it's not because they are essential. It's the essence. So here's the fruit here. So can you describe how it looks, please? Um, it's a little bit like um apricot, just a pale green, quite so big. And then when you cut them open, how do they look inside? Yeah, they're white inside, a little bit like um a coconut. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. And then much the, smaller though. Yeah, the actual um nutty thing looks. It's mainly red with a few just blacker lines and dots. Yeah, so that red coating or that kind of red web around it is called the aerial. And that's what mace is, okay? Mm-hmm. So it's a similar but more delicate taste. So there's some dried mace there. So then I guess that's kind of peeled off the nutmeg, which you have yeah. there. So it'll be sort of coating it or webbed around it. So that's the other spice. So they will dry that and, um, and it can be used in cookery. Okay, so the spice itself, nutmeg, has been used for at least 3,500 years. And until the mid-19th century, it's only found on the Bandar Islands. So I've got another map here, and there are 11 small volcanic islands, and they are pretty small. Um, so the longest one is only about 10 kilometres across, and some of the other ones are much smaller. Wow. Yeah, so really little places. So you've got to remember this. As we tell the story, they started on these little islands, okay? Mm-hmm. So there's hundreds of islands in this area, um, but they must be an ice age for long enough that all these separate species could grow and develop. Like, um, there's the 150 different species of the Maristica. Yeah. In 1512, the Portuguese General Conqueror Statesman and Empire Building, Afonso de Albuquerque. How do you say that, do you think? Um, Afonso de Albuquerque. Afonso Albuquerque. Afonso Albuquerque. I've probably got that totally wrong. Yeah. After so badly butchering Afonso's name, I asked my Portuguese friend Antonino for the correct pronunciation. So here it is. Afonso de Albuquerque. Um, he learned of the location of the Bandar Islands because um, nutmeg had, had been traded before. Europeans didn't know exactly where it came from. So they were trying to find, okay, where do we get this so that they can control the trade themselves? Um, so yeah, when he learned the location of the islands, he sent three ships to go and investigate. Now, the explorers, they stayed for about a month, filling their ships with mace, nutmeg and cloves. Afonso was considered one of the greatest naval commanders of his age. But despite this, he couldn't get full control over trade in the islands. And there's a picture of him with a pretty awesome beard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's got his sword on his side and, you know, it's kind of... Um... The top half of him looks quite big and strong and then he gets these tiny leggings at the bottom yeah well if you look at his sleeves there they're um they're all puffed and they're, they're large aren't they mm-hmm. 
They look like massive pillows. <laughs> yeah. However, just over 100 years later, things turned darker. 1621, the Dutch East India Company wanted full control and a monopoly over the production of nutmeg um, and the other spices from the islands, so they actually went to war with the islanders. Dun, dun, dun. American historian Willard Hammer estimates that the Bandar Islands had a population of about um, 15,000 people, okay? That was before these bloody battles. How many native people do you think survived the battles? 23. There's a few more than that. Mm, 140. No, it's probably only about a thousand. So that's um, what ninety-three percent of the people killed, or something. Yeah. Or they were sold into slavery just because we wanted that spice and we wanted to control it ourselves, rather than trade with them and give them a like proper business. And it didn't stop there. Because during the Napoleonic Wars, the British invaded and they took the trees, soil and all. So they dig them, up, they dug them up the roots and the soil, and also loaded them onto the ships, and they took them to uh, Sri Lanka. Penang, uh, Singapore and different places and then from there on to further colonial holdings. Now, do you know where this flag is from? Um, no. Have you seen it before? No. Grenada. Mm -hmm. Because some of the trees were even taken there. And actually in 1974, um, their new flag, which is the one I showed you, included this very stylized nutmeg. Yeah, <laughs> on the that flag. doesn't look particularly like... It's sort of trying to match the colours of the flag a little um, and But it's from something that the British uh, stole over 100 years earlier. But today, uh, Grenada is one of the largest producers of nutmeg in the world. So it's like this, it's come from one tiny island on one side of the world and over the course of a couple hundred years made its way to another tiny island. Like totally unrelated, distant people. In America, the state of Connecticut, has the nickname the Nutmeg State. So any idea why it got that name? Um, is that another place where the nutmeg was taken to? So how it got its name is, well, it's claimed anyway, the, the sort of rumour or the theory goes that there's some traders from Connecticut and what they'd do, they would, if you pick up on the nutmegs, feel woody, don't they? Yeah. So the story goes that um, they would carve fake nutmegs out of bits of wood, <laughs> um, but then trade them or sell them as the real thing. Although that might not be true, because how did you have to get to the spice there? Oh, grate it. Yeah, you had to grate it, didn't you? So it could be that people didn't realise they had to grate the nutmeg to get to the spice, and uh, not crack it. Yeah. Um, so maybe they were actually selling real ones, but because um, people weren't so knowledgeable back then, they thought they were just made of wood. Or perhaps some uh, mischievous merchants actually uh, just sold fake wooden ones. Pretty good carving, though. Hmm. So, did you like your nutmeg? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Tasty? Yeah. Good. It smells very good. Yeah, the smell's lovely, isn't it? I don't actually use it that often. I need to use it more. I, I mainly bought it because I liked how it looked. <laughs> um, so, remember the previous spices that we looked at? They all kind of had um, medical or positive benefits, didn't they? Or at least rumoured ones were rumoured yeah. to have them. Um, now, nutmeg is a little bit different, though. Are you worried now? Mm, no. People wouldn't be eating it. So. People eat puffer fish in Japan. And bats mm -hmm. in China. <laughs> yeah, and bats. <laughs> okay, so having too much nutmeg can lead to allergic reactions and also a series of other side effects, uh, such as delirium, anxiety, confusion, headaches, nausea, dizziness, 
dry mouth, eye irritation, and amnesia. And those symptoms can last for several days. Oh my word! Are you okay? Wake up, Anton. Wake up! You haven't that had hurt. that much. Oh, he's fine, that's good. And it can even lead to psychosis. Do you know what a psychosis is? No. Well, it basically is, is when your mind struggles to tell the difference between what's real and what isn't. And that can include things like hallucinations. So, do you know what they are? Yeah. What's a hallucination? Um, it's something that you believe is there but isn't actually there. Yeah, it's kind of seeing or hearing things that don't exist, isn't it? Now, do you recognise this painting? No. Seriously? Yeah. You, you don't recognise one of the most famous paintings of all time? No. Okay, this is Starry Night by Van Gogh. Or have it's meant to be said these days. Van Gogh, Van Gogh, Van Gogh. Apparently the colours that are used in the sky here, they're quite similar to the effect that psychosis can have on people. Now, do you know where Van Gogh was born? I think it was the Netherlands? Yeah, that's right, he was Dutch. So my theory here is that before painting this, he actually just ate too much nutmeg. <laughs> yeah. He was addicted to it, and it caused him to do these amazing paintings. Yeah. I reckon we should put forward this theory. Yeah. So, at the moment, you like to have it smell, you like the taste. It's got an interesting history, a little bit bloody mm -hmm. at times, mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit unfair. It's come from this tiny little island that's been spread out across the whole world, which is incredible. Um, and eating too much of it can have really bad effects on you. Mm -hmm. So, is it all bad? Um, most of it. Yeah, but it's used, like you said before, it's used in cooking, so it can't be all bad, can it? So should we look at some of its uses? Yeah. Okay, so I found a good list here. So you can use nutmeg. You can grate it to liven up custards and creme brulees, put it in rice puddings, pancake batter, eggnog, mulled wine. You can sprinkle it on desserts like cheesecake for decoration and flavour. Okay, so it does mm -hmm. lots of things there already. It goes really well with chocolate. And um, you can add a hint to melted chocolate when I've you're making chocolate nutmeg. cake. I've had nutmeg chocolate before. Have you? I think so. Maybe, yeah. It's nice, I think. Uh, so you can add it to chocolate cake and chocolate mousses. Now, we did an episode on chocolate a little while ago, but we didn't have yeah. any nutmeg there. That was yummy. That was a very, that's one of my favourite yeah. ones, that. Although I didn't like the ruby chocolate, though. I don't know if I like it or not. I'm still on mm. undecided, still on the fence with that one. <laughs> You could also add a small pinch of it to hot chocolate or to an espresso. You can even add it to wilted spinach along with a splash of single cream and some black pepper. You could put it on mashed sweet potatoes mm -hmm. or squash. You can sprinkle it into caster sugar when you're making pastry. It's, apparently it goes really well with bananas as well. So you lightly grate it over there. Got to try that sometime with mm -hmm. the chocolate as well. That'd be brilliant. Oh, that'd be really good actually. Yeah. Maybe serve it with a bit of whipped cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> or you could add it to your potato mixture when you're making gnocchi. Then you can use nutmeg when making haggis. So you know what haggis is? Um, yeah. So where's it from? Scotland. Uh. <laughs> yes, Scotland. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of their national dish, I guess you'd say. Now the fruit, like outside, it's, which we saw earlier, that can be crystallised. Um, and turned into sweets or jams and in India they use it for chutneys and pickles and the oil is used in toothpaste and also in some cough syrups <laughs> so it's amazing isn't it really flexible yeah 
and that's a fruit from a couple of small islands. <laughs> my fondest memory is when my mum, so Granny, used to bake a little bit on top of her amazing rice pudding, <gasps> which I love. So you could have had it for years, though. So if you're listening to this, you can't invite us around because of Corona, but maybe you could paste some rice pudding to us because mine's not <laughs> as good as yours. <laughs> so it's actually pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Just don't have too much. No. So what do you reckon? How would you rate that, the spices, so far? Um, I think, so far, it's second. Mm. Cloves being the first, as this is taste-wise, mm-hmm. and then turmeric being last, although mm. I do like turmeric. I brought some cloves to school sometime, and I handed a few out to the class and uh, for them to try. Mm-hmm. And about three people liked them, and they just kept coming up to me, and I was like, can I have one more, please? <laughs> okay, only as it um, cleans your teeth. Okay, super duper. So, another good episode, I reckon. Yep. We'll be back soon with more things. We need to think of our next theme as well, don't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also going to be in Guernsey. It's going to be our Liberation Day coming up. Yep. Um, 75 years. So that's a big event. Uh, so you've already got a few ideas for that, I think, haven't you, based on some of your kind of schoolwork and projects you're doing there. Yeah. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Afonso de Albuquerque. See ya! See ya. I can hear your tummy rubbing. <laughs>